1: Campbell thought he had everything.
0: Merry Christmas.
1: I'm giving
2: everything I've
1: got to this deal. You're a credit to capitalism, Jack. Then one day, his past caught up to him. Kate Reynolds. She was my girlfriend in college. I almost married her. But instead, you left her. I took the road less traveled. And fate. What? Him? Me. Gave him a glimpse. What do you need, Jack? I got everything I need. Yeah? You just remember that you brought this on yourself. At what his life could have been. Kate?
3: Come on, Dad, get up. It's Christmas, it's Christmas. Jack, strong
0: coffee. Where's my Ferrari? You got a Ferrari?
2: (laughs) Just tell me what's happening to me. This is a glimpse.
1: A glimpse of what? This is not my beautiful house.
2: Welcome to Rewatchability. It's the podcast where we re-watch old movies and look at them through a modern eye. I'm Robert Larone. With me, as always, is... Blaine Waters. And...
1: J.M. McNabb. And
2: it's
3: December. Woo! It's the holidays. I it's... wish I, we had, like, jingle bells right now. We'd, like, put that over. Blaine? What? Listen. Is that the sound effects library I hear? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs>
2: It's December, and as is tradition on Rewatchability, we have a lineup of holiday favorites to talk about all month. (laughs) They're favorites. They're favorites to somebody. It's Christmas for somebody everywhere. That's not a thing. What? No. (laughs) Keep Christmas in your heart, JM. Okay, sorry. No, I mean, it's actually still the tail end of November for this. Yeah, we're recording early. A few days early. So we do have to kickstart ourselves, I think, into the holiday spirit. And I think this is a good one to do it. Mm -hmm. But before we talk about that, first we want to thank our Patreons. And those are the people who keep the spirit of Christmas alive for us. All year round. All year round. By giving a little bit of money each month. And that helps us keep the podcast going. And in return, you get the podcast early as well as ad-free. Because ads are not in the spirit of Christmas.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Pretty sure Santa Claus was invented to sell (laughs) brown sugar water, but okay. (laughs) Oh, shit.
2: (laughs) So today, our first entry on the holiday rewatchability advent calendar is the family man, Mm. Blaine you admitted uh, last week that you had never seen this movie. It was a great shame of mine, yeah, yeah. I'd never
3: seen this movie with the Cage. No, I mean, I think I kind of confused it with the weatherman right. in my mind. Family, weather, what's right. more important. Yeah, exactly. And so I thought that I had seen this. I was like, yeah, he carries around a bow and arrow. <laughs> Is he trying to hunt down families or something? I don't know. But it wasn't that movie. So I had never seen this. I had seen, like, kind of maybe bits and pieces of this on, like, TBS or something. But I right. would never seen the whole movie. But, J.M., I remember you talking about this movie and saying that, like, this is kind of, like, a, a big movie for you or, like, a movie that you liked.
1: It wasn't, no. Okay. But <laughs> I, I probably didn't mention it. No, because I I did see it. And it. I don't even think I saw all the way through because I didn't Man. remember how it ended. But... I do think this movie is significant because it's in that era when no one knew what to do with Nick Cage.
2: Right. Because okay. he was – they were trying to put him forward as a leading man yeah. in an unironical fashion.
1: Yeah, because he was in he was in big movies. He was in like Gone in 60 Seconds and he right. was in all those action movies. And then in the early 2000s, they were like, hey, maybe he's a romantic Christmas comedy guy. <laughs> No. No, he's not. <laughs> so I've always been... We tried. Yeah, tried. I've always had a... I think I watched it on video or on TV in oh, the early okay. 2000s. And I will watch any bad Christmas movie as long as it was released theatrically. That's my cutoff. Wow. I won't watch all the like, Hallmark The Netflix no, stuff no. that's yeah. coming out. Yeah, but if it came out in the theaters, you know, decked the halls with Danny DeVito, fine. You're there. I'll yeah. watch it on on TBS or something, like you said. But yeah, I always just remembered how crazy this movie is because, because it's Nick Cage being Nick Cage. Yeah. In bas- it's basically It's a Wonderful Life remade with Nick Cage, directed by an alleged rapist. Oh my is God. What this movie yeah. is. And Taylor
3: in the middle of it all being like, what the fuck is happening? And
1: she's also nuts in this movie. She's... <laughs> Yeah. She's the Nick Cage of, I don't know, what was that sitcom she was on?
3: Uh, I, ah, I don't remember. I don't remember uh, either. She's yeah. the
1: Nick Cage of whatever network that TV <laughs> shows on. <laughs> but no, everyone's doing crazy work in this. Jeremy Piven's back as right. Jeremy it's Piven. Piven. <laughs> yeah, like the best
3: friend to the main character yeah. in every 90s movie. Yeah. 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 If you went to Jerry Piven, he'd just be like, you're living your life, man. you got to go for it. would be like, what? Come on, Piven.
1: Another guy who's been uh, yeah. accused of some some stuff.
2: Yeah. Uh, Most of the people who worked on this movie are shitty. Yeah. <laughs> They're in the bad reality. <laughs> That's right.
1: Yeah, but I I remember liking parts of it, mm-hmm. but partly because it's so crazy. And right. because of so many contradictions rolled into a Christmas movie. So I, I kind yeah. of have a soft spot for it. Uh, And like I've mentioned before, I like alternate reality things like Mr. Destiny, of which this is the same movie but (laughs) reversed. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, What about you, Rob?
2: I saw this in the mid-2000s, I think. And, you know, I remember it being sort of notable for, like, just being a little bit off. Right. Like, it's a little bit weird. The Nicolas Cage factor is strange. And also the ending, which we'll get to, has, like, one... Sort of mind-boggling element, which I just, I really can't get past. So I always thought it was such a strange Christmas movie. I
3: can't wait to talk about the ending of this movie.
2: Yeah. Yeah. But also, a couple years ago, I was dating somebody who, like, loved this movie. What? Oh, wow. She listened to the podcast as well, and so she wanted us to talk about it on the podcast And there was just so many Christmas movies, we never got a chance to do it. Wait, we're doing
1: this movie because your ex-girlfriend told you to? Oh, my God, did she call you
2: up this season? You're
3: like, maybe I
1: should do something nice. Did you get on a plane instead of...
2: (laughs) We're definitely not doing it for that reason. (laughs) (laughs) But she did want us to talk about this movie on the podcast, and then after I went home from Christmas, I came back and uh, she broke up with me. Oh. (laughs) Oh, my God. So I do have, like, a little bit of, like, is this like a glimpse into my own alternate reality? Yeah. <laughs> if,
1: if you hadn't been chasing all of that lucrative podcast money. <laughs> Damn it.
2: <laughs> I just had HelloFresh dollars in my eyes. <laughs> it's working around the clock. But so I did want to come back to this movie and give it another look to see, you know, just uh, – right. Just what was going on with this movie.
1: Did you watch it with her when you were dating? No,
2: we didn't. Oh, okay. No, you refused to watch it. I think that might be why you broke up. Yeah. yeah. I said she broke up with me because I didn't want to see The Family Man. <laughs> and now we're to see if she regrets it. <laughs> I assume she's still listening. <laughs> <laughs> that That is a mighty big assumption. <laughs> but The Family Man it begins on... Does it begin on Christmas Eve? Yes. Yes. Back – Oh, well, uh, there's a flashback.
1: The flashback's not at Christmas, is it?
2: This is what I couldn't remember. I couldn't remember if it started – if the flashback was at Christmas. But it starts – Like in the airport. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's a time when people are at airports at Mm -hmm. Christmas. It's one of the busiest days for air travel. Mm -hmm. But Nick Cage is there with his girlfriend played by – Hey, Leone. Yeah, and Nick
3: Cage uh, I didn't they, they didn't have the technology to DH him. But he looks like a 50-year-old man. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: like, he he was our age when he shot this. He was 36. Really? Yeah. Oh my, oh my god.
3: Lord. Oh, just a moment of silence <laughs> for that.
1: <laughs>
2: wow. Poor Nick Cage. He
1: yeah, has, but also
3: I'm
2: had feeling, a rough life. <laughs>
1: feeling pretty good about my hairline. <laughs> <laughs> right?
2: Yeah. It's a tearful goodbye because he is getting ready to fly off to London for a year-long internship and she has to stay in America because she is in law school. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, it's a hard moment because they're going to be apart from each other even though they really still care for each other. And just as Nick Cage is about to get on the plane, Tia Leone says, wait, mm-hmm. don't do it. I have a bad feeling about it. Like, I have a feeling like if we, if you leave, then we're going to end up breaking up and we'll always regret it. And so, you know, what's a guy to do in this situation? I don't know if you guys have ever been in, like, a similar situation when you're at the airport. Nick Cage, he hugs her. He says he loves her so much. And then he gets on the plane. (laughs) (laughs) Bye. Bye. (laughs) just runs off.
3: (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah. I, I've been in a similar situation. And yeah, you just you just end it. I don't know.
1: Someone should do a uh, fan edit where that just blends into the beginning of Con Air. <laughs> so he gets on the plane and then all of a sudden he's got long hair and yeah. undershirt. You Just
2: CGI a bunny into his hand in yeah. that scene. would be great. <laughs> That's a real alternate timeline. <laughs> mm. But fast forward to the future, the early 2000s, the very early 2000s. Nicholas Cage is now a high-powered stockbroker president. I don't know how the stockbroking industry actually works because yeah. I'm super poor. But... I don't think that's what it's called either. <laughs> but he's the boss of all these other stockbrokers. Yeah. And he's like called them all in on Christmas Eve. They're all there. Saul Rubinek is there mm. and he's like, "You can't go home on Christmas Eve." pretty sure Saul Rubinek is Jewish. I I know
1: why do they, they they're like they, we have needs one character who's like I need to get home to my kids it's christmas and they cast Saul Rubinek. <laughs> yeah. Well then I think also we should say this movie is super racist. Right. I think oh, they cast yeah. him so that later when Nicolas Cage's job is essentially usurped is usurped by like his Jewish friend.
2: Yeah. Well, well so many problems. There's so many racist <laughs> characters in this movie. I see what you're saying but Brett Ratner is also Jewish, so I'm sure he wouldn't... uh, He didn't write it. No. No, that's true. That's true.
1: (laughs) They they probably put in the script, a Saul Rubinek type.
3: (laughs) (laughs) He gets the script, he's like, I think I got this. this. This is great.
2: Yeah. But his life is by all measures very successful. He wakes up and— He has casual sex. Yeah, with somebody he doesn't seem to know very well. Mm -hmm. uh, He says,
1: you're a wonderful lover, the way people always say.
2: (laughs) It's like he's never been with anyone
3: before in his life. Right. Everything he talks about during the sexy moments, I'm like, that's so not
1: sexy in any way. This movie was written by a 15-year-old boy.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. And he drives a Ferrari— Right. I mean, it's it's the whole life. But, you know, he doesn't have anything in his life that is meaningful. He doesn't have anywhere to go home on Christmas. In fact, he's willing to fly to Europe so that he can help Shepherd through this big business deal. Well, Shepard,
1: that sounds kind of Christmassy. Oh. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I also totally forgot to mention the whole, like, that – Taylor only had contacted him in the right timeline oh, right. for some mysterious reason. So he decides it's Christmas. You know, he decides he's going to go for a little walk in the city streets. Yeah. It's snowing. He feels the snow on his face. <laughs> oh, God. I hate every like, weird
3: tactile moment he has in this movie. Yeah.
1: This this movie was written by a 15-year-old on ecstasy. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: Let's do a
1: massage train. What? Uh, I.
3: It, it's also weird because he doesn't seem to be that empty. He's really nice to everyone that he comes in contact with. He's not like an asshole. No. Like at the yeah. beginning of um, – uh, what's the one? Uh, Mr. Destiny? <laughs> or like any movie like this, it's like they're an asshole. They're not good people. And then they, right. they uh
2: Yeah, they, he they seems change. super
1: happy. He loves his job. He's singing all the time? Yeah. Well, and, I
2: don't think he's super happy, though. I mean, only a real Scrooge would make his employees work on Christmas Eve. That's what we're supposed to understand. He's not – there's no love in his heart. <laughs> sure. I mean, I guess. Though so you're right. He does have like – a very humane side because he he happens to be in this convenience store mm-hmm. he's buying some eggnog presumably to pour it all over some woman that he barely knows. That was
1: another sexually awkward comment he makes. (laughs) a woman says, it's Christmas tomorrow, we can't hook up. And he says, so I'll pour eggnog over you. That is gross. And then
2: eggnog becomes like a recurring motif through the film. (laughs) It's like always there. And (laughs) he definitely has a food (laughs) fetish.
3: Like this is a thing that happens because on the stairs later, he's like eating cake and making out with his wife. (laughs) (laughs) Cake in their mouths. We'll talk about that scene. But he loves food and sex together. It's a thing for him.
1: (laughs) This was a year after American Pie. What was going on in the culture (laughs) where people just wanted to have sex with food? I don't know. Uh, It's so weird. With desserts, specifically.
2: (laughs) Yeah. But while he is at the convenience store... So a guy comes in, he's played by Don Cheadle, and he tries to scam the store owners with this like lottery ticket. Yeah. Played by the guy
1: from Lost. It's the guy from
2: Lost, yeah. so he's used to alternative timelines <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as well. It's a Faraday thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's great. Also, he looks like so... Unim fucking pressed to be playing, like, another, like, Korean convenience store employee. Yeah, doing,
1: like, a thick accent that we know is not yes. his accent. Yeah.
2: yeah, I felt bad for him. But Don Cheadle gets... <laughs> well, I feel bad for Don Cheadle, too. <laughs> yeah. He's yeah. War Machine! Come on! <laughs> when they give that guy a superhero. Yeah. But he gets aggravated and pulls out a gun mm-hmm. and threatens to shoot somebody. And Nicolas Cage, this is where his humanity comes in because everything that we have come to know about this person, we should believe that he is a cold-hearted capitalist guy who doesn't care about anything. But he, he decides to intervene in this situation, weigh in, and he offers to sort of buy the lottery ticket from Don Cheadle mm-hmm. so that he'll have the money and he'll go away and nobody will get hurt. Yeah, you can put the gun away kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Stupid-ass white boy in $2,000 suit gets capped trying to be a hero. News at 11. That's what you want to see? You want to see cash up in here? You want me to set it, son? Do you want to die? Do you want to die? No.
0: Look, I'm talking about a business deal. Okay, I buy the ticket from you for $200. I take it to a store where the guy behind the counter doesn't have a death wish. I just made myself a quick $38. Like I said, it's
2: it's just business deal. So he does that, and, and that's the first racist stereotype
3: that Don Cheadle plays. It's he, awful. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: But I was even kind of confused, because Don Cheadle's like this supernatural being we can kind of theorize what he is later and that's the second (laughs) well Well, that's a big one yeah Yeah. but he's ostensibly testing the guy from lost because he's going around he keeps going around like testing people's morals and the way he tests the store owners is like he aggressively asks them to cash a lottery ticket and they won't i guess because he's black yeah and then he pulls out a gun What's the gun accomplishing?
3: <laughs> it's also always at store counters because later there's yeah. that young woman, and he's like, "Oh, she took like more change than she was due." No character. <laughs> he's then he purely pulls out a gun. <laughs> he's purely in the
1: convenience store branch of like the universe. I know. It's the, so weird.
2: <laughs> yeah. Does that this, mean that girl's gonna have an alternate reality, or does the alternate reality only happen to people who with are good character? Yeah. He's always searching for character. And boy. As Nick Cage a character. <laughs> well, but Nick Cage, he says, "Hey, like there are ways to get your life turned around. You don't have to have regrets." Mm-hmm. And then Don Cheadle's like, "You're talking to me about regrets? I'll show you regrets." And then he's like, oh, "I'm going to do something bad to you." Yeah, but also he said first
1: he's like, "We can like get you back on the right track, maybe chemically." It's like what, because he yelled at a convenience store. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Like, what, what is he talking like you about? You
1: must need medication. So you must be a heroin addict because yeah, you're, you're experiencing... black and you yelled at a convenience store. <laughs> if you
3: experienced racism and reacted badly to that, then you need chemical help.
1: Yeah. It's and, horrible. And also he's, he's acting like he's homeless or something. I was watching it with my wife. She pointed out yeah. like everything Don Cheadle's wearing was like designer clothes. Like yeah. he's dressed in super expensive
2: stuff. <laughs> like there's so no silly. reason
1: why anyone would think he was homeless.
2: Ugh. Yeah, it's strange. But, yeah, he says that he's going to do something, and then he goes away. Next morning, Nicolas Cage wakes up, and uh, where is the woman that he doesn't know her name? Drowning in (laughs) eggnog. He wakes up with Taylor Leone lying on top of him, Mm -hmm. kids jumping in the bed. It's Christmas morning, and... He freaks the fuck out. He's in a real Duchovny. <laughs>
1: well, not anymore. No, not anymore. Yeah. I bet this would be one Christmas movie that the Duchovny household skips. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Wouldn't that be weird to just watch a movie starring your ex-wife that's all about like how you shouldn't have let them become your ex? Yeah. Oh, my God.
2: Yeah. God. I, mean, I, I mean, so much of this movie did seem to play, like, metafictionally for me because I guess I mostly only know Talioni as the, like, Yoko Odo of the X-Files.
1: <laughs> oh, because they relocated to L.A.? Well,
2: yeah, and then David Duchovny quit the show, and it always seemed to be like, oh, because he, maybe that was, like, the sexist press in right. the, uh, whenever well, that it, show was on. Well, originally. I
1: think it was even sexist to say it about Yoko.
2: Well, obviously it yeah. was. And, yeah, I mean, obviously Yoko has had a career. Are you trying to say that deals. Taya
1: Leone is a brilliant artist? <laughs> <laughs> I am. You should check
2: out her book about plums <laughs> or whatever it is. <laughs> that was the Simpsons. <laughs> <laughs> no, but doesn't Yoko Odo really have, like, a book about plum? Like, it's some sort of plum book, and then you open it, and it has, like, little, like, you know, Maybe. absurd things that all you right, do? Yeah, I know art. Right. <laughs> but, Yeah. I didn't. I didn't have the best impression of Taylor. going into this film. Oh, well, I felt like because like David Duchovny didn't he su-
3: like he suffered from an addiction, right? Like sexual addiction, and that was like the hardest yeah. thing in their marriage. <laughs> he
2: suffered from a bullshit addiction. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> and then the other thing I'm is, sure it's a
1: real addiction. But it is weird because he starred in that show, California. That. Yeah. Oh yeah, Calif- California cation. Yeah.
2: which was I feel like California cation was like an excuse for my bad behavior by David Duchovny. <laughs> yeah.
1: I mean, yeah. It, it is a little like if, like, in the 90s, Courtney Love started a show called, like, Heroin-O-Rama or something. Yeah.
2: Have you tried to watch that show recently, California Californication? It does not hold up. No. no it is it not. Like, it on, was
3: horrifying. It was on the bubble of sexism. <laughs> like, it,
2: like, was it was horrible. not just on the bubble. <laughs> oh,
3: Jesus. It I well, was let's bagging not talk, that bubble.
1: Let's, let's not talk about David Kempney. We're here to talk about Ta who is also crazy in this movie. This movie is full of lunatics.
2: Yes. But... Yeah, Nicholas Cage, he wakes up at this family home on mm-hmm. Christmas morning and he does what any man would do if he woke up in a strange family house. He freaked out, got dressed and left. <laughs> <laughs> Just like my dad did. <laughs> uh, did your dad go to the city and try to get his job in the stock market back? <laughs> yeah, it didn't work as well for him. Okay, sweet. But yeah, Nick Cage does go to the city. Mm-hmm. He, you know naturally he goes to his apartment the doorman won't let him in doesn't seem to know who he is the old woman that he flirts with in the elevator is also slash sexually harassed <laughs> Like it's a little much
3: I don't know about flirting <laughs> uh, yeah but yeah no one knows who he is and they're like you know get the fuck out of here and he even goes to the building that he works at to see the only other black character in this in this movie. Right. No. Doorman. Was yeah. he
1: magic? <laughs> <laughs> I presume <God>. so.
3: <laughs> he made his car disappear.
1: That's true. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, but then he eventually does get back home. Well, yeah, Don Cheadle picks him up in his Ferrari mm. and sort of explains vaguely what's going on. Like, you have to fix something. I'm not gonna tell you anything about it. What get is- out of my car. <laughs> Every movie is like that. Like, just
3: tell them before they get into the situation and they won't mess everything up and have like an uphill battle to go. They're their new family. You I know? feel like at least
2: Clarence gave a little more than that. You yeah. know,
1: nothing about this movie makes sense. He's he's not that bad a guy. He no. gets he accidentally runs into some kind of magical entity who punishes him for doing something nice. <laughs> yeah. Nothing about the morality no. of the story makes any sense. No.
2: But he tells him, yeah, you're basically going to have to figure it out all for yourself and then uh, kicks him out of the car. And then not he st- helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Not helpful. But he sort of winds up running into Jeremy Piven, who he is horrified to discover is his best friend.
1: He's like, <laughs> I'm trapped in a 90s movie. No. Is this serendipity? No. no! He, he looks in the mirror. It's like Quantum Leap and he's John Cusack. <laughs> he's
3: like, I leveled up. All right. This yeah. <laughs> is
2: But he sort of fills him in on, like, the sort of the rest of his life. Like, he's like, you know, he's just a schlubby dude. How he, many people in this movie are going
3: to go, oh, you're so crazy for saying you're a different person yeah. and then tell him everything about
2: his life <laughs> they're thinking that he's having a psychotic break at all? Yeah, that's right. Nobody's ever concerned for anybody's mental health in these movies. No.
1: <laughs> yeah, like, at one point, like, when he goes home and he's talking to Te he's like, this isn't my life. Like, I'm a different person. I'm, I work here and I have this. She's like, not this again. like, he said
2: this before? <laughs> He <laughs> seems very
1: specific.
2: <laughs> I know. Oh. That old routine. <laughs> <laughs> God, and yeah. then
1: also to justify his daughter kind of like helping him in- yeah. navigate the alternate reality, they write in a thing where the daughter thinks he's an alien. They did a pretty
2: good job. Who did? The aliens in the ship. He looks just like him.
0: Thanks. Slightly better looking, though, right? Oh, oh no, you, you're not going to start crying, are you? I, I don't think I could really deal with that right now.
1: Do you like kids?
0: On a case-by-case basis.
3: Yeah, that's fucked up. Um, <laughs> It's it's so weird because... Again, David Duchovny. <laughs> <laughs> because the... The daughter's like, you're not you, like what happened to my daddy, which is which is great. I think that's like a, a, a beautiful little yeah, thing where like the daughter can recognize beyond all these other people that are busy with their own lives, like who her tr- true dad is. Great. But then – he just goes along with this alien conspiracy thing, which is so weird. If she was just like, "When is my daddy coming back?" and he's like, uh, "Soon, I hope," you know, and and then yeah. they... your
1: daddy was dead. He was killed by what I guess is a demon. I don't know.
3: <laughs> he was probably shot in that
1: convenience store. I don't know. Uh, did he go to the city last night? Was that your dad? Am I a twin that I didn't know? But also, Tay Leone's mad, but she's really not mad. And like, if if you when you were a kid. And you had a family member abruptly leave on Christmas morning with no explanation for mm. six hours. Mm. Like, <laughs> I would have, you know, like, if he wasn't murdered, you would throw yeah. him out of the house.
3: Yeah. Yeah. He comes back. Not this again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's my time. On Christmas, it's my time. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know why everyone's just reacting to him like he's the... The level of psychosis he's experiencing is completely normal to his character.
1: Yeah. He has a psychotic episode from their perspective. They talk about it for three and a half minutes and then she's like, okay, get dressed. We're going to a
2: party. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah,
3: it's like where's like the you don't seem to know any of her inside jokes. You don't seem to know when to pick the kids up from school. Like that's why I kind of liked that little girl being like, you pick us up here, like you drop us off there and 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 doing that sort of thing, like having that little helper, I yeah. thought was a real interesting and cool way into this well-worn trope of a movie.
2: Yeah, that was pretty heartwarming. Though I do feel <laughs> bad for that little girl since she's been traumatized. She's probably like drawing pictures of aliens taking her daddy away.
1: Don't feel bad about her because she was traumatized. Feel bad about her because she doesn't exist at the end of this <laughs> nope, movie. That's what I wanted to talk about. That's, I can't wait to get there.
2: All well, right, now I feel better there. about it because she's going to be so fucked up. <laughs> it's like, just wipe that one clean. <laughs> oh, God. But, yeah, he, he does not know how to navigate any of the family situations. Presumably like any male person who has a family – He doesn't know how to, like, change a diaper. He doesn't know how to do any of this stuff. We get Mm -hmm. lots of the Nicolas Cage being a man trying to do basic things that women can do (laughs) very easily. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
3: No, the sexism is strong in this movie (laughs) against both sexists. It's
2: just awful all around. And his relationship with Taya Leone is also back and forth.
3: I, I mean, I think the kind of the... I don't know if it's weird. It's just odd in a movie where it's about what he didn't have and what he has is like no matter what life he's living, he has a really, really healthy sex life like no matter where he is. And I I mean, I'm not a family man yet, but I, I you know, I might not have as much sex when I have kids, but like they're – you know, she's into it all the time and right.
2: he's like, oh, this life sucks. Well, there is a sense that is... it's, you know, that it's like it's it's precious. It's a precious commodity. Like, you know, right. you got to get both the kids to sleep. Mm-hmm. And then like the way that, you know, she's tearing off her clothes. Right. In the bedroom. It's not like the sexy sex. It's like the like we have two minutes of peace. So right. let's do this now because this is all we get. <laughs> Right, and the first time that it happens, Nicolas Cage pretends that he's asleep. He doesn't even want to have sex with this person that his brain has desired for thirty years. Unlike in Mr. Destiny, where <laughs> <laughs> Jim Belushi's like, "Hey, <laughs> yeah. work it out for me." <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
3: he is a bit of a good guy in this movie, a little bit here and there. Yeah, yeah. Which I was, it was pleasant surprise because I didn't think this movie would do that. I was like, "Oh, this is nice. It's a good guy." But then
1: he's he's going to have an affair. Like he doesn't – the same rules don't apply to like his neighbor or whatever.
3: Yeah. It's – that's why it's so uneven. It's like it's showing you that he's a good guy because he's like I guess respects his wife and also – is just stunned that his wife is beautiful. <laughs> like, he's never saying, like, oh, you're such a good mother to our kids, or you're such, like, a, a nice person, or you've grown to this g- amazing good person. He's you're like, still hot, Taylor. <laughs> that's exactly what he says. He's you know, like, he's,
1: he's disgusted by her life. He, she's, like, a pro bono lawyer, and he's, like, he's horrified by that.
3: Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's so stupid. I hate that, I, I, like, it kind of works with his character, but... Also it doesn't work with his character because if he's a
2: jerk then why is he so nice to everyone? Like it's just so bad. Yeah. Back and well forth. I mean he he's not like a good person. He was dropped into a situation where there's a vacuum of a good person. Right. <laughs> and he's sort of trying to fit into the role in many ways cuz he doesn't really have any choice. He can't get his job back. He can't be the other person. So he's mm-hmm. like stuck right. with this Family. And so, yeah, he does try to take advantage of it because he he doesn't really seem to care at that point when, yeah, the neighbor who has been hitting on him, he actually has to ask her, is there something going on between us? Right. Because he wonders if his alter ego has been, you know, having an affair whether He's not the nice guy that he Mm -hmm. supposedly was. But they haven't been yet. However he is willing to, uh, mm-hmm. to do it. So he asks Jeremy Piven to write down her exact address. And Jeremy Piven, in some very, uh, this is truly an alternate reality, <laughs> Jeremy Piven tells him to do the right thing and not have an affair. <laughs>
1: Everyone's moral compass, Jeremy Piven.
2: <laughs> Ooh. Watch out, world. <laughs>
3: Yeah, because Nick Cage, in this reality, has been such a good guy to Jeremy Piven, stopped Jeremy Piven from having an affair, and now he's still happily married. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just kind of, you know, returning the favor a little bit. Mm
1: -hmm. And I do like, they do add the detail where, because Nick Cage, we haven't really talked about how he's a tire salesman in this reality, which is, uh, you know, upsetting for him. Mm -hmm. But it's because, like, his father-in-law had a heart attack and he had to kind of take over the business while he was getting better. It wasn't just that, like... You know, he yeah. automatically has a worse job because, yeah. because he's married. There's a chain of events. But, I mean, his father-in-law seems okay. Like yeah. yeah. Like, why doesn't he just get someone else to do it or something? And then there's a part where he kind of convinces his old boss to hire him at his firm. I know. And the, no, his wife basically doesn't let him.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah because she's like we're poor in jersey and that's where we're gonna stay it's just a weird thing because i think their life also isn't that hard right like, but uh you know it's a good job and maybe he should take it yeah, yeah.
1: and the, like, he, it seems reasonable she's <laughs> like we're not you know relocating to new york but they just keep popping back and forth between that office and the house like <laughs> it's no big deal And it's like why can't he just commute i
3: know well, and also the whole thing was she was like, yeah, we had to move out of the city because we didn't have enough money to raise kids in the city. Right. I would have stayed there. And then, like, later on, we hear, like, she's like, we can't raise kids in the city. It's like, you were gonna. You just didn't have the money. And now yeah. you do. So why don't you move to New York? Yeah. And, yeah. It was very weird. Yeah.
2: <laughs>
1: this movie tries to, like, set up that idea that you can't be successful. You can't be ultra successful and have, like, a family.
2: But – The sort of, like, other side of that is shown with the Saul Rubinek character in the alternate reality where he has Nicolas Cage's position, but he also – he does have his family.
1: I guess so. Yeah. But they don't go into too many details about it. He
3: hates his family. The cribs (laughs) in the office? Like, he's putting a kid down in the – Office? Like, oh, did he? I, I missed that. Yeah, they had all those like toys, and then there was a crib in the background. But then they like, also
1: implied that he didn't get the full deal that he could have. He didn't.
3: Yeah, it was only 121 billion instead of 130 <laughs> right. billion. Well, he obviously can't be happy.
1: Well, and the Nick
3: Cage character in Jersey has a 1.7 million dollar business, so he's making some money. He only has like four employees. Like, yeah, that's true. It's it's a good job. Like, there's no tired. Anyway, it's just just crazy. Grass is always greener. (laughs) Yes, He has a good enough job. They're, like, middle class. They're not poor. Like, it would be different if this was actually, like, you know, Brewster's building. He's
2: stepping down, like, in such a big way. And this is a guy who's lived his life to be, like, this sort of person, to become this sort of person. Like, he's singing opera in his underwear. Like, that is, you know, that's a very specific thing. Well, you know, the other weird (laughs) other
1: weird thing about this is, like... Just because, like, you don't have the same income, you're not ultra rich, doesn't mean, like, all of your tastes automatically changes. Like, he could still like opera and have opera on CD or something.
2: You know, like, he could still. (laughs) It's not worth it if you can't get to the Met.
1: Like, he's, you know, he looks in his closet and is horrified by all the, like, schlubby tire manager clothes yeah, but like I, I just don't understand why Why would his taste in like music and art and literature all change just because he it, that's what I find is like fundamentally upsetting about these movies to try to make it seem as though like if you get married if you have a, a relationship with a woman she will you have something loving and true you yeah do. she will upend like the mm-hmm. core facets of your personality <laughs> to make them more like domestic and lame I, I don't know
3: yeah, it's it's weird. I he can make the life that he had in the city in the in Jersey as well. Like it's it's so close. Like I'm sure Tia Leone would let him pour eggnog on or something. <laughs> no, you know? Like no. He needs I'm a sure. couple
1: of opera CDs and like one suit <laughs> right. and some rubber sheets for the eggnog.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
3: yeah. yeah. And he wants that suit, that scene in the in the store where he's like, I think I'm gonna buy the suit. And she's like no, it's like a $2,400 suit, and that's, I don't know, a million dollars in 2000, when it was just made. And he's like, I love that scene because he goes, No, I want it, I'm buying it.
1: Come on, take it off, all right? We'll go to the food court and get one of those funnel cakes you like. That is a crazy guy.
2: No. No.
1: Do you have any
0: idea what my life is like? Excuse me? I wake up in the morning covered in dog saliva. I drop the kids off, spend eight hours
1: selling tires retail. Retail King.
2: And then the sweet thing is, is that for the anniversary gift, she buys him a a suit by the same brand that she got at like a winner's or like, you know, a discount sort of place. And it's not anywhere near as good as the suit that we saw him wearing, Mm -hmm. but he wears it. He wears it to his job interview. He wears it to the city when he takes her on the big date to make up for not buying her an anniversary present because he didn't know it was their anniversary. Fucking daughter dropped the ball on that one.
3: <laughs> <laughs> She's like four. <laughs> yeah. And, and he's
2: like, if you drop the ball again, you're going to the mothership. You can take it away. But like, that, symbolically, the suit that Tia Leone buys her becomes like, you know, like the, the, the nice thing. Like, yeah. you know, it, it sort of makes him into the man that he wants to become a little bit again, which I thought was really beautiful. However... <laughs> He just as things are sort of starting to go his way, he has an option to get the job back and he's he's really he started to love his family and he, he likes the life that he, he lived. He runs into Don Cheadle at the convenience store again and Don Cheadle tells him it's just a glimpse. It's all going to end.
1: Wait, hold on. Back to Don Cheadle for a second. When we meet him again, he's like testing someone, uh-huh. and it's like he gives yeah. her the wrong change for a, like a ten. He gives her change for a twenty or something. Right. And she doesn't confess. and yet. she doesn't confess. So he makes it. Is she going to hell now? What like what is mm-hmm. happening?
2: Yep. <laughs> if you've ever done that, you're going to hell. Oh no! If you've done
1: such
3: small petty things, you're going to hell. It's like no, that is
2: how Christianity works. There is no morality <laughs> in this movie. <laughs> Merry Christmas. If only somebody was born to die for our sins. Yeah. <laughs> Under that religion. Just confess on your deathbed. You'll be fine. You it's don't fine. know.
1: He could be a Hanukkah demon. We don't, <laughs> we don't know exactly what holiday he's representing on earth.
2: Well, why is he? I mean, the, Nicolas Cage is celebrating Christmas. I think if he's a demon, he should be, you know, but he runs into that him. denomination.
1: It's accidental. Okay.
2: That. Or is it all part of God's plan? I don't know.
1: I don't know. <laughs> Probably not.
2: Probably not. <laughs> I don't know what kind of God is sending Don Cheadle to do lottery scams and pulling guns at people. <laughs> <laughs> a racist God. It's a racist God right there.
1: But yeah, this, this movie confirms that A, there is a God, and B, he has a racist convenience store division
2: <laughs> of... Angels? I don't even— uh, uh, No, I'm not really too sure. But he is sad that his life is going to go away. Mm-hmm. He, he even tries to stay up all night watching Te Leone sleep so that he doesn't wake up in his original yeah. timeline, but he does— and uh, it's supposedly what he wanted, right? Because he wanted to have his life back and he goes into the office. It's Christmas Day and he's going to go do the thing where he goes to Europe so he can shepherd this deal. Yeah, that woman comes
3: back because she bought some eggnog. <laughs>
1: <laughs> like, oh. She's there
3: in the morning like stripping off her kimono in the I, hall. I just felt so bad for her. Yeah. What
1: woman doesn't want to be waterboarded with eggnog? <laughs> <laughs> on Jesus' birthday. <laughs>
2: oh god. But he he's not feeling it. He he decides not to go to the airport and instead he goes home with his Oh, he goes to visit Ta Leone to see what it was that she was calling him about in the original timeline. Yeah. And she's like, "Oh, I have this box of old hey, stuff." Hey, Jack, get to see it. Oh, just agnograte right <laughs> down her throat.
3: <laughs> <laughs> what, is he, what does he say? And on the stairs, he, like, says something. He's like, you make me so hot. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, we didn't worst. talk about that scene. The, the horrible sex scene where they're eating cake, and then he starts making out with her with cake. That it's was like, so fucking gross. It's my fucking new nightmare. Because <laughs> he stares into the camera at one point, like, we're Tay and he's like, you make me so fucking hot with, like, all this cake coming <laughs> yeah, out. it's just,
2: like, wet cake crumbs all over both of their faces.
3: And he's, just, like, making out with her, and then she's like, say that thing you always say, and he's like... Let's have a shower first. Like, what do you what do you say? And and then he's like, he's like, you know, let's.
2: Uh, he starts talking. Sexy. You're so hot, baby. You get my motor running. <laughs> yeah, or something like that. Just
1: filthy, unbelievable.
2: <laughs> You're a pretty person and i want to love you forever (laughs) but it's it's actually
1: billy time to come to dinner okay i'm gonna have to pause writing the family man and go have dinner with my parents (laughs) come back to this cake scene later yeah
3: (laughs) but but he references video
2: games jesus christ he references the cake scene later when he's like complaining about his life or whatever and he's like she won't even touch me unless I tell her how much I've always loved her or how much I love her yeah. as much as I always did right which is still a weird thing to say when you're fucking on the stairs with cake all over your face <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Baby, I love you with cake on your face.
1: <laughs> There's no
3: right thing to say in that moment. Well, that's, that's
1: kind of the problem with this movie is, like, Nicolas Cage is great as, like, the cold, detached business guy at the beginning of the movie, but then as, you know, being, like, It's Wonderful Life or Scrooge, like, he has to make that transformation to, like, the happy, soulful version yeah. of that character, and it it is horrifying. Mm-hmm. Like, there are so many scenes like that where he has to kind of laugh or uh, act human, and it, it does not work. Mm-hmm. No. And I like Nicolas Cage. I don't... Mean to, you know, raga Nicholas Cage. He's Is not. He's just the wrong part. So wrong part. He's not served by the material, but no. there are scenes where he's like supposed to be laughing with his children and he looks like a maniac. <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. He's he's like, this is, this is normal Nicolas Cage. Like by that I mean it's crazy Nicolas Cage. Are yeah. we
2: sure that he's not actually John Travolta wearing Nicolas Cage's face? <laughs>
3: <laughs> like he says things, you know, he'll be like, Merry Christmas. You know, like, he'll, like, he'll like yell it at the kids like he's like he has two guns and he's shooting them yeah. at the same time. Uh, and he has to yell over them. This was originally
1: the family man port of call. All New Orleans, <laughs> A B
3: C, he like goes the whole alphabet. Yeah, it's just he's just so miscast in this entire movie. I mean, not the beginning, but like as the Family Man, which is the title of the
2: movie. <laughs> so the final beat of the movie of the story is that uh, he decides that you know he can't live without Leone. And so he rushes to the airport where she's leaving to take her plane to Paris.
1: On Christmas Day. On
2: Christmas Day. With the (laughs) McAllisters. Home Alone 3, lost in Paris. (laughs) But he's like, hey, you can't leave. (laughs) We have so much to talk about. I I can't live without you. Let's have a cup of coffee. And she's like, ah, bye. (laughs) Coming on a bit strong. And then he's like... We have a house in New Jersey. We have two kids. They're beautiful. One
3: plays the violin not very good. Yeah, yeah. They don't have those kids. Those kids were like timeline murdered because (laughs) they don't exist anymore and they never will. No.
2: No. Because, yeah, she eventually agrees, okay, we'll go for coffee. And then the last shot of the movie is them having coffee at the airport cafe with the credits rolling over. She's taking a later flight. She's taking a later. After that coffee, she's like, you're crazy. Yeah. It's like, well, that was fun, Jack. I'm glad we got to catch up. (laughs) And all the best, really, you know? I think this worked out best for the both of us. There might be uh, some chemicals that can help you with what you're (laughs) experiencing right now. Yeah,
1: right. (laughs) Has anyone ever been, like, convinced that quickly? Or not that she needs convincing because maybe you just made it up, but would that be charming?
2: I mean, yeah. It's never worked for me. Can you imagine if you were a woman and this guy that you dated in college ran up to at the airport and was like, "We have two kids. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go for coffee."
1: Uh, add in the cage factor.
2: Yeah. <laughs> well,
3: so we should we should test this out, Rob. You know, you mentioned ex girlfriend. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure your current girlfriend would not mind. <laughs> nice Christmas. It's Christmas anyway. It's a good Christmas
2: present. Uh, and that is the family man. It's fucking crazy.
1: Another crazy thing about, or, you know, sort of problematic part of that ending is it's a direct reflection of the opening scene where she wants Nicolas Cage to stay and now he's asking her to stay and kind of sacrifice her career. Right. And he got to not do that. He, he <laughs> went and was like, no, I'm, I'm going to prioritize my career. And then without any shred of, like, self-awareness, he asked her to do the exact same thing and she's like, all oh, right.
3: Just like a man. Well, yeah. she she does that to begin with in New York. When he's like, I want to move to this apartment. She's like, Yeah, I wanted to die in that house like next week because I'm married to you. But like, she she's like, I don't want to move here, but I will for you if if you want. Yeah. that. So like, he could have had it all, even in his other. She's just willing to sacrifice everything for him all the time.
1: I thought again. I don't think I ever saw the ending of this. I thought he was going to say. I'll come to Paris with you, and then I was like, "No, that's too creepy." And then he started talking about the alternate life they had together, and I was like, "Whoa, that's
3: way creepier." <laughs> well, wasn't he supposed to go to Europe to do this deal? Well, it was London. It was London, which I, I don't like know if there's a tunnel between, yeah. between those two places.
2: But oh, not for the deal, yeah. I what you mean. Yeah, but
3: like, yeah, he could go do the deal, st- spend time with her. He could. They could have it all. There's just communicate. Just use your words, guys.
2: I just don't see why Taio only would want anything to do with them.
3: <laughs> yeah, not after that speech at
2: the airport. <laughs> she's had a whole life, like yeah. you know. I'm sure that she's had like plenty of boyfriends and you know people who have had real meaningful connections. I'm sure she's had a great life. Yeah,
1: maybe Don Cheadle's going around to all her ex boyfriends, <laughs> showing the visions of what it would be like if they were married. <laughs>
2: Don Cheadle's her current boyfriend. (laughs) He gets to
1: the door, Don Cheadle answers, and it's her husband.
2: (laughs) That would have been great. That would have been a good ending. She's like, hey,
3: fuck you. She closes the door. Oh, Oh, man, that would have been great.
2: (laughs) So that's The Family Man. We're going to be back after this break with the trivia and the the behind-the-scenes stuff.
0: Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. It's a miracle!
2: What, Rob, what? It's a miracle! What? uh, Rob, what? It's a
3: miracle on 34th Street. Oh, you were talking about the fucking movie.
2: Yeah, no, there is no actual miracle. We're just going to be talking about a Christmas movie next week. No big deal. We're back. It's rewatchability. We are talking about the family man in this timeline. In another timeline, we're all stinking rich and alone. <laughs> <laughs> but I have some trivia questions for the both of you, and uh, I hope that they're not too difficult because I want them to be a Christmas gift from me to you. Oh, uh, okay, that's nice. Okay, so question the first. This is a big one. It's it's in terms of it's epic. It, it goes all through the universe. Which star of Family Man has an asteroid named after them? Whoa! Yeah, that's right. Well, didn't Tia Luano's character have a star named after her in the movie? In the movie, yeah, yeah, that's right. Nicolas yeah. Cage bought a star for her yeah. in the in the film. Is that your answer? Uh, what about? Uh, I'm gonna say Don Cheadle. <laughs>
1: Uh, I'm going Piven.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> asteroid Piven is going to strike the Earth. <laughs>
1: it's, it's the asteroid with hair plugs. <laughs> oh, God.
2: No, it is, in fact, Ta She has oh, a oh. Uh, an asteroid named after her. Oh, that's, nice. that's really interesting. Yeah. I found that out. Yeah. I don't know why.
1: I don't know. Was, uh... was she in Deep Impact or something?
2: Oh, that would be a good
3: reason. Yeah. Or David Duchovny just bought it for her after cheating on her with someone. (laughs) He's
2: like, sorry, babe. (laughs) (laughs) I got you an asteroid, though. Okay, so this is a question I think you might be able to get. Okay, sweet. Okay, so... Let the record state that Rob pointed at JM and then rolled his eyes at Blaine. (laughs) And now I'm giving you the finger. (laughs) So, Nicolas Cage hasn't done a lot of Christmas movies, but he has done... One other Christmas movie. Oh, I do know that Which story. also starred Dana Carvey and John Lovitz. What? You know who
1: else is in that movie? Who? My dad.
2: What? <laughs> Why are we what? talking about that Christmas movie? <laughs> what?
1: Yeah, my dad was an extra in that movie.
2: <laughs> That's hilarious.
1: Yeah, so I saw that movie twice in the theater. <laughs> so I went to go see it with my friends.
3: Yeah, uh, we, should, we should name the movie. I know it. As well as you guys yeah. do, but our audience probably
1: doesn't. <laughs> okay, so. well,
3: why don't you say it then? <laughs> no, nah, I, I have a thing. <clears throat> God. So maybe you
1: should. Do you not know? It's Trapped in Paradise. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's not a great movie. Oh. It's okay. Uh, yeah, my dad was in a I think, like, a friend of his produced it or something. So him and, and some friends went, and they're in the scene where Nick Cage and John Lovitz rob a uh, bank.
2: Whoa.
1: That's the thing. It's it's actually it's not a terrible movie. It's kind of a fun movie. Yeah, and, and yeah, it's it's a better Christmas movie than this one.
2: That's neat. So watch and I think
1: yeah uh, yeah no you can see him and uh, I think Madchen <laughs> Amick from Twin Peaks right. is like the love interest. Yeah, yeah. It's it's not a bad. That's awesome. It's not a bad movie. Oh, and oh, and Dana Carvey because I remember yeah. when my dad went to film it, we were all excited because oh, me yeah. and my friends loved Wayne's World and we're like yeah, oh what yeah. if he gets to meet Dana Carbett he did not get to meet uh, Dana uh, uh,
2: And he, John the, Lovitz he got to meet
1: he did meet John Lovitz but they said when they were filming uh, you, know, you know not to bother them and stuff right. not to bother Lovitz and Nick don't Cage. look Lovitz in the eyes <laughs> but my dad said one woman did go up to Nicolas Cage and say you know could I get a picture yeah. and he was like oh yeah of course like he was super nice and then John Lovitz went and I'll take it and so he <laughs> took the picture for them yeah <laughs>
2: Oh nice. So yeah. Oh that's cool.
1: Just like us. That woman was uh taken out back and roughed up a bit though. <laughs>
2: Dark. <laughs> well, she never did it again. She was she was dead. <laughs> okay, so this is my final trivia question. What uh nope, that's not it. Oh, shit. Those are just questions to yourself. Oh, no. <laughs> Why am I still doing this? <laughs> Why Could did I, I watch this movie? Could be a stockbroker? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'm going to go talk to an old dude. What other Nicolas Cage movie released the previous year also features Mary Beth Hurt, who played his assistant in this movie? And she is married to the screenwriter of that film. So this was released oh. in 2000. It's a 1999 Nicolas Cage film that also features Mary Beth Hurt. Oh, it was released
1: in 2000?
2: 1999, I think. Okay. Maybe 1998.
1: I know one ninety nine 99 movie
2: he's in. Yeah, I don't know. If it, well,
1: I know. Oh, but I, I know he's in Bringing Out the Dead, but wasn't that written by Paul Schrader or someone?
2: Yeah. Oh, it was Bringing Out the Dead? Yeah. And oh, okay. Paul Schrader is Mary Beth Hurt's husband. Oh, okay. Oh, uh, oh great. Nice. Yeah. Cool. That made me feel kind of good because uh, Paul Schrader just seems so grumpy. <laughs> <laughs> you need somebody to cheer him up you know
1: he should maybe Don Sheetle should show him a reality where he's single
2: (laughs) oh no yeah
1: I mean that's the thing Mr. Destiny is literally just the opposite of this movie yeah or rather this movie is that movie's opposite Mm -hmm. because it's it's the exact same thing just showing them married when they're successful businessmen instead of showing them what they'd be like as a successful businessman instead of being married
3: yeah
2: (laughs) Right? Yeah. yeah. That was the Am pitch, jam. <laughs> you just did the pitch that they did to the And studio. that movie <laughs> that was
1: made like 11 years before is less racist. <laughs> yeah? Even though it has no people of color in it, it didn't have – I mean, we've been dancing around. No one's used the magical Negro term yet. Well, oh, that was no. the
3: second racist stereotype that Don Cheadle played. Well, yeah. it's like it's
1: – like, and this movie, I think, was one of the big – contributing factors to it because yeah. that was right around like the time
3: legend of Bagger vance Bagger vance right. green mile this yep.
1: this was it was i mean obviously it's a lot of movies before that but that run of films Almighty? yeah i never saw that yeah but that run of movies kind of i think contributed to the, the for sure. being yeah yeah entering, entering the uh, the lexicon yeah
2: yeah, and it's it's not comfortable in this movie. Like, it's pretty, it's very blatant. Yeah, it's a movie about white people with, like, people yeah. of color as, like, background characters. Yeah. Or, or magic. magical
1: people helping them realize their dreams. Yes,
2: or park their
3: car or enter the door. Like, it's not great. Yeah. And does
1: Don Cheadle ever, he never comes back at the end or anything, no. does he? Because no, you expect no. that kind of, like like, you know, like,
2: Claren- yeah, we Clarence, we not. have
1: the bell like, ringing. Or no, yeah, he fun- yeah. George Bailey gets the book from
2: Clarence. And this movie
3: would have been like Don Cheadle serving them something. It would have been <laughs> right. awful. It would have been he like- also works at the airport. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, yeah.
2: He's like, is this lobster dinner for you? <laughs> yeah? Okay, I'll just walk away. <laughs> <laughs> I did like the, the
3: bell. They had that bell in there where Don Cheadle gives him the bell at one point. And right. The, I, the bicycle bell. The bicycle bell. He's like, do I ring this if I need you? And Don Cheadle kind of laughs at it. And then later on, De Leoni's like, okay, you got to come to this party. And he's like, just rings the bell instead of answering <laughs>
2: her, which is a great little joke. I, I, I actually laughed a lot of that. I liked that a lot. And that was pretty good. Yeah. I couldn't find a lot of behind the scenes stuff about this movie, probably because it's not well loved. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: I, I did see one thing about it.
2: Oh. It's not much, but I
1: guess someone wrote an article a few years ago because the uh, the website that they made for it back in 2000 or 2001, whenever it was, mm-hmm. was still up as oh. of like 2015 or so. Oh. It's not anymore. Oh. That's too bad. But <laughs> that was dumb. yeah, I looked. It was. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure my computer has viruses now because <laughs> of the site that it took me to. But I was reading about it, and you know, it had you know what you'd expect, like the, you know the trailer, or, you know the credits, something. And uh, but it also had a forum, oh, where you could yes. go and post like a thing about your own sort of lost love, like your tale Leone oh my God, that you missed out on.
2: Deep and dark. Yeah, which is also like... Post by Dee Duchovny.
1: <laughs> but it's also like pretty... Like you post that and then hope that that person A, saw the movie The Family Man... B visited the website. C went to that forums. Like read. Reth- yeah, like there's a you, lot you of variables. You got to Misconnections
3: yeah. that. Yeah. You can't just go to a forum. Come you got the Family Man website. <laughs> Can you imagine though
2: if like a couple was brought back together by the Family Man website? That would be a better movie than the Family yeah. Man. <laughs> if if you
1: were one of those couples that was reunited by the Family Man, email us at rewatchability at gmail dot com. Holy shit.
2: <laughs> they I were reunited know. and then they broke up again because it it was terrible. It was yeah. a bad idea. Then they
1: saw another Nicolas Cage movie. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. I kind of want to go there. I, I kind of hope that there was like like a community on the Family Man boards who, like you know, became really close. So yeah, that, like, you know, like started relationships. It became a neo-Nazi community. <laughs> so We try not to talk about it. <laughs> well, so with the movie's development. It wasn't originally Brett Ratner who was supposed to direct it. It was developed by Roman Polanski. <laughs> no, who did Powder? <laughs> <laughs> No, it was uh the worst people in all they would write in this movie. It was supposed to be Curtis Hanson, but yeah, fucking oh. Brett Ratner, you know i can't uh i yeah, of course I had to read about him to uh research this movie, and like I read all these articles, and it was like. Brett Ratner loves hanging out with his friends, Harvey Weinstein, James Toback, and Roman Polanski. <laughs> it's like those are literally the four worst guys. Yeah. It's not only, his, Jesus
1: Christ. not only is he a garbage person, but all of his movies are like – also it's like X-Men, he took over from Brian Singer. Rush Hour 3, he cast Roman Polanski. Oh. Like uh, he's just – yeah. I, I did not remember anything about this movie. I didn't – like I, in the first – 30 seconds when it says, like, a Brett Ratner film. I think I audibly went, like, Ugh. Ugh. <laughs>
2: Yeah, Searching for the remote? Yeah. Like, oh, God, no, no. You know what else? I, I mean, this is an aside as well, but apparently, like, he was supposed to receive um, some award or something because he executive produced Wonder Woman or something. What? And <sighs> the star Jesus. of Wonder Woman was supposed to present the award. Oh,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. she
2: didn't. Because Brett Ratner. It was know. like
1: a day or two before like that big article came out about him. Yeah. And clearly someone got to her
2: and was like, no, like, <laughs> you don't
1: want to be at this event.
2: But then Patty Jenkins, the director of Wonder Woman, did present right. it to him. Yeah. And like just said a whole bunch of really nice things about him. And I'm like, why? <laughs> well, yeah. I don't um, know. Maybe tough. she didn't know. Yeah, but, yeah, it was supposed to be Curtis Hanson, the late Curtis Hanson, who directed L.A. Confidential, of course. He's involved with two of my favorite Christmas movies. What's the other one?
1: L.A. Confidential. Mm -hmm. And the other one, I think he wrote the movie The Silent Partner with Elliot Gould and Christopher Plummer and a young John Candy. Ooh. It was like a late 70s crime thriller set. Uh, I think it's set in Toronto. Nice. About uh, a bank robber played by Christopher Plummer who dresses as Santa, and it's all set. I mean, this is getting like very Bad local Santa. for us. <laughs> yeah, kind of, but it's it's much more like a noir kind okay. of thing, yeah. and it's uh, all set in the Eaton Center. Oh my God! Uh, Before it was all redone. So. Yeah, so it's great oh, if awesome. for people that grew up in Toronto to look at what the Eaton Center looked like uh, back in the seventies and and yeah, know, like it stayed cool. till the eighties. Yeah. And it's I'm also just a movie. terrific movie. That movie awesome. It's great. It just came out on, on Blu-ray last year, I think. So
2: awesome. uh, oh, That sounds cool. Yeah. Yeah. Watch that
1: not this. <laughs> yeah.
2: There were some alternate castings as well for this film. Though Nicolas Cage came on board when uh, Curtis Hansen was supposed to direct it. He did lose interest by the time it came back around to him. And so they had talked to John Travolta. And also they wanted to get uh, well, Tom Cruise, oh. you know, any crazy person <laughs> that they can find. There's like, a, there's like a list of crazy people you go. First you go Cage. Oh, yeah. You go Travolta. I and mean, then you go, I mean, not anymore you don't, but you don't go well, Travolta, you, then Cruise. You
3: do. What was that latest movie with the bowl cut that he has?
2: That, that was out? the Fred Durst oh, movie. Yeah, the, yeah.
1: What's it called? The fan? the fan? No, that was just the movie with Wesley Snipes. But it's the same thing.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Does he play a a fan of Limp (laughs) (laughs) Biscuit? Are there any? (laughs) Still? No. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. All right. And that's The Family Man. That's The Family Man. I, you know, I'm kind of glad that I watched it because it's so crazy. I didn't think that the movie would go in the direction it did. It... I felt like he would get to go back to his family
2: with his kids. Yeah, right? That like he fell think, in love with? You think, like, Don Cheadle has magic. Yeah. Why not magic him all the way, not just to, like, regret? Like, he's. Once you fall in love with a child. <laughs> That is your familial relation. <laughs> not making it better. <laughs> yeah.
1: No, that's that's honestly what makes these movies hard for me to watch, like especially having two kids myself. Like, right. when Same with Mr. Destiny. Like he meets his children and then they just disappear and he's okay with it. And like they could have yeah. done a, a, you know, a flash forward to like the sa- same kids being there. I mean, I know that's not how sperm works. <laughs> and, but, you know, Christmas magic.
2: Christmas magic. Uh,
1: but they don't even do that and it's very upsetting.
3: Yeah, it's so upsetting. He had this whole life that he did really embrace and he did change for it. And now he's he still has the same job that he did in the beginning. He'll have to be that person again at that. It's just like, I don't feel like he changed.
1: Oh, also, guess what probably happened? Jeremy Piven's life probably fell apart. Oh, yeah. Because he wasn't there to help him. Well,
3: also, tay Leone's dad is dead. <laughs> Because he didn't save him in the heart attack. Well, no, he probably lost the
1: business, though. At
2: least. He probably lost the business? Yeah, I don't... Did He, he didn't save his life in the heart attack, did he? Oh, I thought he did. I thought he was No, I there. think he just
1: took over the business. Oh, while okay. Was, was in The hospital. Yeah.
2: But the other thing that gets me about these movies is that we're shown, like, okay, there's the reality, and then here's, like, what could have happened. But we know from string theory that there are an infinite number of universes, so really an infinite number of possibilities for your life. So your life could be anything. You could be rich and without love. You can be rich with love. You can be a giant walking carrot.
1: Is that what string theory is?
2: Yeah, like there's all these different, like, you know, it can be every decision that you make or anybody makes, every possibility creates an entirely different universe. So, like... I don't see how there can be a morality when all universes exist infinitely. Right. Yeah. I mean you're saying like, yeah,
3: the the bubble universe hypothesis was like – because space is infinitely big and there's infinite amount of universes where everything happens. Yeah. And yeah, I guess there might not be any morality. But there's also no free will in this universe if like – You know, it exploded and there's things bouncing around and we come to this. Like, there is no free will because the free will is happening in another universe. I'm fine with that.
2: (laughs) There's probably a universe out there where the family man is less racist. (laughs) (laughs) And it would be great to live in that universe. Yeah. Yeah. But so – Blaine, you'd never seen this
3: movie before. No, and that's why it was kind of fun to watch just to see how crazy it is. I'm probably never going to watch it again. Right. And I'm sure people that watched it the first time will never watch it again because (laughs) it wasn't that great a movie. But it was interesting to see them like – totally ripped the carpet out from under themselves. Every scene that, that they wrote right. or directed in this movie just kind of undoes the scene that came previous to it in terms of Nicolas Cage's character growth and all that stuff. It, it just keeps on eating itself, and that was interesting to yeah. watch. So I think it's interesting, but I don't think it's rewatchable. Yeah. What do you think, J.M.? This was one of your favorite movies apparently <laughs> it's in my my mind. favorite movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: No, I I probably mentioned it before cuz yeah, uh I just inflated its importance in your life. Yeah, you did. No. Yeah. No, this movie that's why I got married. I saw this movie <laughs> and I ran out and No. No, I did not like this movie. I mean, I didn't think it was good. Yeah. And it was still funny for the reasons I thought it would be funny, but it was it was long. Mm-hmm. I did not expect it like to so, be that long, it two hours. hours. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like it was even like worse than I thought. Like I I knew there was some problems Obviously, I knew this was one of the movies that kind of like got that uh, the term "magical Negro" snowballing. But I think that uh, like it was, I was so I was expecting it. But then like they still had Don Cheadle, his character introduced like waving a gun around a convenience store. Like it was like somehow it even like one upped my expectations of how bad it would be. (laughs) Uh. So in that sense, no, it's not rewatchable at all. It's it's a crazy insane, awful movie that no one should ever watch. It feels like an insult to anyone that would watch it. It feels like
3: trying to slap them in the face for watching it. Yeah.
2: What about the cage factor? Like, Mm. is there enough crazy cage to satisfy Mm. the people who who want that in their life? Yeah, I think so. Like, there's some, like, insane stuff. Him ringing the bell and yelling about Christmas and, you know, a baby pees on him.
3: But I think I think he's the most subdued Cage in any of his Crazy Cage movies. And so, if you're looking for Crazy Cage, this isn't the movie to find. Well, out. you this know what? Is
2: not this is before people realized he was crazy, and before he like realized he was crazy and just started rolling with
1: it. Yeah, it was it was with the money he made off this movie that he like bought a castle filled with dinosaur bones. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, I will say I think this movie would make a good double feature with uh, Mandy. Oh because they're both about marriage, right? Yeah. Okay. And domestic life and uh, and that being cruelly taken away by possibly supernatural forces. All uh, right. <laughs> think about it. <laughs> which Mandy
2: a Christmas movie? Which one should go first?
1: I think this one.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Cuz you want you want to see some violence after watching this movie. Like, there should be an uprising. This right. is a horrible movie. So,
1: wait a minute. The universe is terrible. Yeah. yeah. What about you, Rob?
2: Yeah, I am also in the same place. I don't really think I'll watch this one again. I'm glad that we saw it and uh, all the all the weird and craziness. Uh, but I don't think that uh, it would sustain me for another viewing. There were parts that I like and some of it is kind of funny. But also, like... Yeah, it's not it's not super great, you know. Like, it tries to be very earnest at points and doesn't quite have the ability to do that because of Nicolas Cage. And then it tries to be funny at certain points, but it has, like, a very sort of—it feels very cynically made. Like, I feel like it's it's a Christmas movie because Christmas movies are marketable.
1: Yeah, it also has nothing to do with Christmas, yeah.
2: No. Yeah. Like there's no like Christmas spirit to it like we expect in these movies. And it has some of the beats of a Christmas movie, but it doesn't really I don't know. It doesn't it doesn't satisfy you the same way. Mm -hmm. Um, It doesn't give you like quite what you want at the end. Like you want to see the family reunited. You want the family to be together for Christmas because that's what Christmas is hypothetically about. He's
1: Mm -hmm. not even a Christmas spirit. Like the fact that. Because we see him doing this throughout the year, Don Cheadle. Right. Like he just – the fact that he runs into him on Christmas Eve is a coincidence.
2: Yeah. 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 So I'm going to say not rewatchable for the family man. (laughs) (laughs) That's not a family movie. No, (laughs) no, no. And that's rewatchability – for this week, next week we'll have another Christmas favorite coming up. Uh, until then you can find us on Apple Podcasts that is where you can subscribe and rate the podcast. And there are other places where you can subscribe like Stitcher or Spotify or Podbean, and you can do all that there as well. Also, we're on Twitter at rewatchability. We're at facebook.com/rewatchability. And if you'd like to suggest a movie for us to watch, You can go to www.rewatchability.com, do that speak pipe thing that we have. And click uh, down on the top of the page.
3: Yeah. Yeah, and speak.
2: Yeah. Do it or you will regret it.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince.